Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me again with my podcast, Touching Success. My name is Joy. Unfortunately, my companions, Sterling and Jojo, are unavailable to join us today for our talk about the differences between accommodations and modifications in an IEP. And just also to remind everybody, IEP stands for Individual Education Plan. Individual Education Plans, or IEPs, are part of special education law. We refer to it in shorthand as IDEA, and that stands for Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. The last one was done in 2004, and that is the one that we use now, the laws for that one, to put together IEPs. Without IEPs, Individual Education Plans, that we are told must be done by IDEA, Individual Disabilities Education Act, we would not have any way to guide us in how we want to work with students who have disabilities. One of the things that you will find that are in IEPs are a list of accommodations that a student needs and a list of modification the student's needs. An overall way of looking at that, just an overall view, is that an accommodation changes how a student learns the material. A modification changes what a student is taught or expected to learn. So again, accommodation changes how students learn the materials and a modification changes what a student is taught or expected to learn. To give credit where credit is due, I've gotten some of this material off of a website. The name of it is www.understood.org. You will probably be able to find even more information on that website than I can provide for you. So looking at accommodations first. If a child is in a classroom that is what we refer to as mainstream, which means the child is completely involved in, with their peers. They're not in a special set-aside class for kids with disabilities. These kids would be expected to meet the same expectations as their peers in that classroom, but they might get some help learning some of the material that the peers are learning. For example, a child with dyslexia might get all of their materials on a book on tape. They're still learning the same material, but they're just learning it through their auditory sense. Another child, say they're visually impaired to the point of needing braille, they would get all of their materials in braille. And maybe if the child is a very hyper kid, some are, they're all over the place, maybe ADHD, but sometimes if you sit that child down, next to the teacher or an aide, they can help keep the kid a little bit calmer during the classroom. So there's some examples of accommodations that can be used to allow the child to be in a mainstream classroom and be able to be successful. They're expected to learn the same things, to do the same projects, and basically be a part of the classroom just like anybody else. Sometimes, yes, some of the kids need some modification for that area, but in general, the kids are in mainstream because the IEP team felt that it was something that they could handle and wanted for that child. 
that goes to least restrictive environment, LRE, which we will cover at another point. So now, when it comes to IDEA and an IEP, kids can get different accommodations for taking tests than they get for what they do in the classroom. For example, you might have a student who uses a spell check when they're doing their papers for their classroom. However, they're not allowed to do so during a test. Instead, they are provided with extra time to complete their tests. And that goes for other kids. Sometimes kids with ADD or ADHD need the extra time. There's several reasons why extra time might be provided for a child during a test. Another thing might be also for kids who have a difficult time writing, they might be provided with a keyboard. Then this all changes again when it comes to standardized testing, which is the testing that the government requires all kids to take. For example, some of the accommodations that can be allowed would be like extra time on a test. And if you are working with someone who has a visual impairment, they might need large print on the screen. The standardized testing has, for the most part, gone to all computers. So some kids with low vision need the extra time and maybe even the extra help if it's in the IEP because the screens can be difficult to read. Okay, an IEP has a list of what these are. You need to make sure that these accommodations end up on the IEP. It is far better to list too many accommodations that may or may not be useful than none at all or skip one thinking the kid does not need it. They might need it in the future. They might need it because it's a standardized test and those are very, very long and very long days for the kids. You might, for an example, is frequent breaks. That is very useful for some of the kids who just get tired or fatigued and then they just start guessing at answers because they just want it over with. And I've seen that happen. So I know that that is a thing that kids will do. So another example would be ordering, and that's what I would do when I had kids that were blind in my classroom, is a large print version because they had low vision, but sometimes they also use braille. And I would get both the braille and the low vision books for them so they could switch back and forth according to what the subject was and how well their eyes were doing. So that's another thing you have to just make sure these accommodations get onto the IEP. Uh, again, if the person runs out of room to do it on the IEP itself, Put it in the notes section. It has to be there or the kid will not get it. Okay, another thing that they might need is a quiet environment. So no distractions. Maybe there's a small office somewhere that they can work in. But no distractions because maybe they're one of those kids who like to um, bother everybody around them or they're slightly bothered by people tapping their pens on the desk or what have you. And that was me pens on the desk. Oh my gosh, draw me crazy. Another accommodation section that I should mention is when it comes to PE, music, art classes, things along those lines, is 
a student may need extra time to learn the lessons, such as how to play something, how to read music. Sometimes they might be better off listening to the song and learning to play it that way. It depends on the student, which is why IEPs are referred to as individual education plans. Another kid, maybe during art class, cannot stand the feeling of clay. I have seen and worked with kids who cannot stand touching certain kinds of textures. And it's unfair, really, to force them to do it. So you need to be creative with kids like that and help them find a project that's similar in what they're learning, but maybe using a different substance. Sometimes when you're working with special needs kids, it comes down to just being creative and figuring out what's going to work and what's going to not work. And that's also why you want to have resource people that you can go to to ask for help. I think another area that could see a lot of improvement would be in physical education. I think it would be for a lot of different students. Kids who have autism could be very overwhelmed by the amount of noise and racket that happen in a lot of situations with physical ed. And another group of kids would be kids who are visually impaired or blind and just cannot see what is going on around them. For example, I had one student who was given a tennis ball and then told to walk around the edge of the blacktop and that was all she was doing and she didn't tell me, nobody else came to me or anything so that I could go and find out how to help adapt her situation so she could be part of the class. I was rather annoyed by this and I think I had every right to be annoyed by that. And I think that goes for a lot of our kids in PE. Just PE is a difficult place for them. And we need to make sure they are getting physical exercise. Thinking about something I said earlier, I may have made the impression that you can put everything onto an IEP that's an accommodation or a modification for a student. But it's actually not the case. It has to be things that are related to the child's disability. And that's usually where the tests, reports, and everything come into play. As certain disabilities get certain types of accommodations and modifications. So I didn't mean to give the impression that a child would get all of it. But it's something you can sit down and work out with the IEP team. When you sit down at the meeting and you're determining what modifications and accommodations that the child needs, the way to think of it is what accommodations and what modifications will allow the student to access the educational environment the same as their peers. For example, a student has a difficult time writing but does all right on a keyboard should probably have that added in for the testing section as well as for the classroom accommodations modification section. When a student I worked with couldn't write well at all. No matter all the different tricks that we tried, he was just unable to write. So we thought, why not try a computer? And we did, and he's happy now. He's less frustrated with school. He types, he doesn't type in the typical typing way because of his disability, but it's readable. His schoolwork and grades have come up. So what if we hadn't decided as a team to try that computer? I imagine that the temper tantrums that he had been having would still be going on 
and everybody would be especially frustrated with the situation. But that is why special education exists. That's where special education comes in and does the right thing. So that is more or less a summary of accommodations and modifications on IEPs. Something to pay attention to, something necessary, something that makes a huge difference in some of our students' lives. But there's something else that I wanted to talk about too. Just something to think about. Sometimes there's a lot of negativity towards kids who have special needs. And a lot of times that negativity can also go towards the specialists. I know I've experienced it and I've seen it. And yes, there are a lot of problems in special ed and a lot of difficult people to deal with. But there's also a lot of good. Most special needs teachers tend to have huge hearts and they dig in very hard to get the students what they need. They fight sometimes with everything they have to advocate for their kids. Many times they just slam into a brick wall, but many times they keep slamming themselves into that brick wall and into it and into it and into it until it falls down. Sometimes they are fighting for materials that a particular student needs, such as a laptop with special software on it. Sometimes it's just pushing the right buttons to get to the materials that were ordered nine weeks beforehand. Sometimes it's to move a student to a classroom that's just a better fit. There are also hardships that special needs teachers go through that are somewhat unique in some cases. As a teacher, I've been bitten a couple of times, scratched, had snot rubbed on me. I've had things thrown at me. I've been yelled at a lot. And so there's a lot that I've had to put up with and I was not a teacher that works with kids who have the more severe disabilities. But don't get me wrong. Please do not get me wrong. There's so many joys to teaching in special ed. For example, I discovered accidentally that one of my students had perfect pitch right on just perfect. So I marched down to the music teacher and I told him he needed to work with her. So he tested her and sure enough, so he took her on board and the following recital had me crying in the back of the auditorium as I watched her playing a solo. She struggled in every other area of her life, every area, but not when it came to music. Music made her a superwoman. I was also told another student of mine would never learn to read ever just give up. I was literally told, just give up on her. Well, before I left, she was reading. She's about kindergarten level. And I came back a while later to check on her. And now she's reading at first, second grade level. And she loves it. And I got to be a part of that. Reading opened up her world to whole new concepts. And I got to be a part of opening that door for her. However, despite all that, all that wonderful stuff, most special needs teachers last around five years in the field. I've heard as little as three before realizing that they're burned out and they just cannot keep going. Some go into Jenna teaching, which is great. And some just go on to a whole nother career, which is sad. So what held me in for so long, it was the success of the students that I had, the appreciation of the parents the recognition from administration 
and I felt it was an important calling. So why did I leave? I could put up with most of what the students did that were rather challenging. It was higher up. I had a lot of students one year, all at different levels in every single curriculum area. So I was often at work until seven at night or more dealing with curriculum needs of the students and I had a commute of over an hour. I was given a girl in a wheelchair who couldn't speak well. And no matter how often I asked or pointed out the safety issues, they would not give me an aid and pretty much told me to be quiet about it. Stop being the squeaky wheel. Hence my referral to slamming into a brick wall. That was my brick wall. I left that school. If they couldn't take into account the safety issues for myself, the student, and the rest of my class, I was not going to be a part of that. I was incredibly depressed, incredibly sad to leave. I wanted to retire from there. I thought I was going to. I dreamed of it, but I could not be a part of somebody, some program that was going to risk the safety of my students. So I went from being a classroom teacher to an itinerant specialist. I drove around basically and saw my kids at different schools so that they didn't have to go to a special school or special classroom. It was a huge district and my caseload consisted of 25 or so schools with 21 or so students. Four to five of those students required around an hour a day. At a couple of different schools, I also had a couple of kids listed at two hours a week. So right there, I'm out of time. All the other kids were being shorted, which upset everyone, including me, and it came down on my head. The supervisor that I started with was pretty much always upset with me. When she left, I got two really good supervisors who really tried to work with me to alter how things were being done. Then they left, and the new one could pretty much care less about almost everything. I think I talked to her maybe two times for the whole year. Again, this is putting my kids at a point where they're not going to be very successful. With this new supervisor, I felt like, again, I was slamming into a brick wall to just get a piece of paper signed that would approve getting extra paper for the student who needed larger size for his handwriting. And I did leave. It may sound like I gave up and I ran away and left my children to fight on their own. That was not my intent. I had to take care of myself though. Slamming into that brick wall on a constant basis was just not healthy for me and was eventually gonna do my students no good. Now, I do occasionally with an agency step in as a substitute and sometimes they send me to their more difficult situations, but I think that in this case, it's usually I'm subbing in and I'm not having to work with the difficult situation for more than maybe a semester or so before they're able to find another teacher to take over the class or over the itinerant situation. Now all of that is just the stories from one special education teacher, but there are more stories like that out there of from special education teachers. You can probably even go and talk to special education teachers that are still working and have lasted for a long time. And you'll still hear some of the same kinds of stuff. So how can people help? Appreciation from parents, from other teachers, from specialists, from supervisors, from just about anybody, just that little pat on the back, you know, you're doing a good job. This kid's really improved. I really appreciate it. I had one parent who would sometimes send me little tiny gifts 
that ex expressed her appreciation with a little note attached to it. And I keep those. I have had those for 15, 18 years now. And they sit on my shelf and I look at it and I remember the times that things were going well. Help with reaching IEP goals if you can. It doesn't matter if you're the general education teacher, PE teacher, the aide, or a parent. Help with the IEP goals. That only benefits the kids completely. I mean, if they meet those goals in mid-year and we have to have a mid-year IEP, that's awesome. Please be an active participant in your child's life in the middle of the year, middle IEP, at the IEP meetings, helping us out with the triannuals. We want you involved. But at the same time, you do need to trust the specialist. There's a balance in there. And you're going to have to find it with each specialist, with each teacher, at each IEP meeting. And I know it's probably overwhelming because you probably have more doctor's visits than most people and more people coming over to do physical therapy, things like that. But if you can help out in any way, it helps the kid. And this may seem like a small thing. But to the specialist, it is a big thing. If we hand over some paperwork to anybody on the IEP team, if you could fill it out and get it back to us as soon as possible, that would be terrific. Because, for example, I had 21 students, so I always had an IEP or a report going guaranteed throughout that entire school year. And sometimes waiting for a year, a year, a month to get... The paperwork back put me under a lot of stress because now I'm scrambling to do all of the related paperwork at the last minute. And those are just things that can help. And anything you can think of, just small, I mean, even, I don't know. I'd like to say cookies and donuts, but I think most of us feel like we're on a diet. And so that really wouldn't do a lot of good. But, you know, just thinking along those same lines, you know, even if coming in and saying, hey, can I read to some of the kids in your classroom which would then give me one-on-one -on -one time with another kid, even that. I mean, just those little things, if you can. I know that, you know, parents work and other teachers have to be teaching, but it's just something to think about. Just something to think about. Anyway, I appreciate your guys' time. I hope that this all made sense, and I appreciate you listening to my stories about teaching special ed, and I'll try to keep some of the more positive ones coming in. I hope you have a wonderful beautiful and blessed day. Take care.